0: so unpredictable
1: here on the SNL Network We are back with the Hot Take Show. Welcome on in, everybody, to the Saturday Night Network here for the premiere of Season 48 with host Miles Teller and musical guest Kendrick Lamar. So excited to be back here right after the show finished airing with all of our friends in the chat who join us every single week after the shows to break them down immediately after they air, and all of the wonderful panelists who will join us every single Saturday night throughout the season. This is the first of probably 21 times we will be with you throughout season 48 so so excited to get to do that the way the show works tonight is we give our instant hot takes and analysis of all the sketches and we want to get your feedback in the chat which we will bring up on screen so if you're joining us for the first time welcome on in to everything we do here at the saturday night network so excited to be with you all and excited to tell you about all of our coverage plans for season 48 but for now let me bring in my man andrew haskell who joined us earlier in the week for the giraffe podcast and is here to talk about the premiere haskell how are you
2: i'm doing great it's 1am i forgot that i could stay up this late uh it's not until snl season that this comes around again but uh super excited to get into this premiere episode with you guys
1: yeah can't wait to get your thoughts haskell always great to hear from you and joining us it is nicole rovine nicole how are you
3: i'm good i'm good i won't lie just a few hours ago i was in the emergency room But turns out there's zero wrong with me. So I'm actually really good. I got an IV with just basically a lot of water in it. Um, That's pretty much what happened to me today. So I actually feel better than I felt in the last time I had an IV with water in me, which was maybe 10 years ago. So I feel amazing and I have so much to say and I'm just so excited about the episode.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. You're really being real here, here tonight. So I appreciate the be real. Uh, Kalina Stackel joins us as well. Kalina, so happy to have you on the podcast. Kalina, how are you?
0: I'm great. I could not be more excited. This is my favorite time of year when SNL kicks back um, in gear. It kind of, for me, like SNL is always kind of the beginning of fall and kind of just my favorite part of the year. And I'm so excited to be on the show with you guys and talk about what I think was a great start to the season.
1: For sure. And look, premieres always have positives and negatives. It's always fun to temper our expectations, but be hopelessly optimistic about what we are going to see. And I have to say, I talked about this a little bit. We did a Twitter spaces a few hours ago just to, you know, spoiler free preview the premiere. And I have to say for everybody, this is the episode that I have been waiting for for, you know, going into my third season podcasting about Saturday Live. This is it the start of some changes, the start of a new era. It's nothing against the old era. I really enjoyed my first two seasons, 46 and 47, podcasting about the show. But I have been waiting for something like this where we could talk about all the new possibilities with Saturday Night Live. And I would love to go around the panel and ask for their hot takes or headlines from the night. And that's usually the segment where we want to find out. Like Monday morning, you open up the newspaper. What are you going to see when they write about SNL? So overall, Haskell, what is your headline or hot take for the night?
2: Uh, it was electric. It's it's you kind of kind of touched upon it, like, and I've been saying this. I said it all last year. You know, we love Kate McKinnon, we love AD Bryant. You know, Kyle Mooney, Pete. All of them. We love them, but you you have to eventually leave so we can get to this point, right? And you know, they they did it in a perfect way, right? Rebrand the logo, uh, new opening, throw the host in the cold open. Like there was so much buzz right out of the gate that I think it may, for me, it carried the show through maybe a week or second half sketch-wise. But that's what a strong opening can do for in, during SNL. So uh, I, I I remember I was, it might have been premiere week last year. It was one of the first couple weeks last year. I said, John, I'm so excited for the future. Um, kind of the same feeling times 10, like this year. Um, just a really cool way to start the season. Yeah totally
1: agree nicole how about you what is your hot take for the season premiere of season 48 of snl
3: yeah i mean speaking of buzz like the the buzz the the bowen's bug that that thing is sticking with me um i agree i feel like the energy it was all about the energy i fully agree in terms of content the fir- it was like no skips in the beginning everything was so good and then i feel like at the end it was the second half. It was just as fun as the first half. And I feel like I'm more in the camp of like, if the vibes are there, then that is the most important thing. And I feel like the vibes were really good the whole time that like all of all, everything felt good and fun and fresh. And, um and I also, I think that's what a good live late night, literally Saturday night show. Shouldn't it be that way? Shouldn't it be that the front half is really, solid and consistent and like really grounded and then the second half is more loose and fun and maybe there are some things that don't make perfect sense i feel like you know as people who commentate and analyze the way that we do it's like and for me i'm i'm so like that i i I love analyzing things and making it so nitpicky but i feel like that's how it's supposed to feel is the second half of something like this as you know heartbreak feels good in a place like this Spontaneity feels good in a place like this, you know? And I just think the way tonight's show felt is the way that this show is designed to feel. And I really enjoyed that.
1: Well, it it was just different. Right. I mean, like it's very I I can't remember the last time I watch a show and I'm like, okay, the front half, it's so front loaded. Like it's just it's so strong. And we're going to talk about those sketches in just a moment. But it was a really like there was an interesting disparity here. I wonder if that's a trend we're going to watch for in season 48. But yeah, all the new feeling to it. I just I don't know if it was the excitement or whatever it was, but there was energy in the building tonight. Kalina, how did you feel about what you saw from SNL? What is your hot take for the night?
0: I would say my headline would be Miles Teller. Oh, I get it now. I don't typically consider myself to be like the biggest Miles Teller fan. I think he's a talented actor, but I just never kind of got like the cultural, I don't know, adoration for him. Like I just, I didn't really... I just didn't really hit the beats with everybody. So I was really hesitant to have him as the host, especially as the season opener host. Unfortunately, as an audience member, I do put a lot of pressure on the season opener and closers. I expect those to be really strong bookends for the season. And so I was kind of admittedly um, a little bit timid about it. And I completely agree with um, Nicole and Andrew. Just the energy felt really different. It felt like the cast was... Very aware of the significant departure they had in terms of cast members, I think they were aware of the expectations and kind of, you know, unique pressure that was put on them. Um, I think most of us would agree we're kind of expecting Bowen and Chloe and Heidi to kind of be like our, you know, our, our main people now that are kind of leading the way. Um, I don't know. I was I was delightfully surprised. Uh, <laughs> we're about to get into the opening, um, you know, cold open, which I think uh, I I can't wait to talk about. I think it was a really strong first start to the season.
1: Yeah, look, uh my hot take I'll say before we get into the cold open very quickly is that I always expect premieres to be middling I think this was a great premiere probably one of the better premieres in the last 10 years for sure so maybe not a super flaming hot take for this first episode but I have to say I was just like it met my expectations for sure to get to see some of those things right at the beginning and we'll start right there with the cold open which was a Manning cast cold open would love to get uh, Haskell's thoughts on this one for sure because I know we're both sports guys so uh, uh, basically, the Manning cast is something that you get to see on ESPN2 during Monday Night Football in real life, where Eli and Peyton Manning, uh, former NFL quarterbacks, former Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, host uh, this basically talk show while football games are airing, and they bring on different guests every quarter. Well, this time, they're talking about the season premiere of Saturday Night Live, and we get all the typical tropes that you would expect, JJ as Trump, Chloe as a Trump lawyer. We get uh, Michael Longfellow leading in Heidi Gardner and the one time we might see him tonight, which was not true, actually. i would have preferred that to be more meta. But uh, we get <laughs> Heidi coming in as a governor of South Dakota, Mikey is Don Jr., Bowen is the president of China, Sarah is creeping into the sketch. Uh, of course, we get John Hamm in this cold open three-time host. Uh, John Hamm was originally not in the cold open in dress rehearsal, he was in the monologue, he was then moved to the cold open for the live show. Sean White made an appearance in this one as well, was originally played by Ben Marshall in the um in dress rehearsal, and then we also had Devin Walker as the Corn Kid, of course, uh, very popular on TikTok now, and uh, Molly and Marcelo doing the gritty. So lots of elements here. Would love to talk about all the meta aspects. Really feel like this was sort of made for us
2: to break down. So let's break down
1: the breakdown of the cold open. Haskell, what do you think?
2: Well, first, was it made for? Of course, it was made for us. They started talking about SNL stats, like throwback for us. That was awesome. Uh, but there is a lot to unpack, like, in a really good way. And and I've said this on the podcast countless times that I don't like, like, basket cold opens that are like, let's just pull out everything we can from the week and talk about it. But uh, obviously that's different during the premiere because you have to talk about what happened during the summer. Um, so I cut them some slack there. But I ask, I also think they they did it in the way that I like it, which is it's still all framed Uh In the same way without just being like a news broadcast that's jumping around. So, uh, that like, what a great way to start off the night with that, that super meta, uh, super kind of buzzworthy, uh, cold open. Uh, I love because we're so used to uh, those of us who watch it every single week. Like the second somebody comes on camera, we know who it is. And it did take me a second to say, who do they have playing, uh, Peyton Manning? And then when you realize Smiles tell you like, one, a hey, he looks exactly like him in that. Like, that was one of the better, like, I, makeup jobs, I guess. Like, or he just, it's so natural. Um, so that was great. Um, and then kind of my line of that sketch was when he uh, refers to John Hamm as a uh, regular host during what now seems like a golden uh, era of the show for, like, people my age who grew up during that era. Like, of yeah. course, it's like a great, like... For me, it's like, yes, it was a golden era, but it was it was a really funny line to kind of throw it in there. That's like, yeah, now it seems like a golden era.
1: Well, the best part about the whole thing was like every single time anybody asks, like, which is one host that you wish could come back that hasn't come back yet? It's John Hamm. Like that's like the number one choice. So all, even all that, like obviously there's the John Hamm and Miles Teller connection from Top Gun. But like beyond that, it just fit so smoothly. This was probably one of the best cold opens that we've seen in years. So like for me, the fact that it slated on the premiere was amazing. Nicole, what do you think of the cold open?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it felt really ambitious to, and it succeeded in in the attempt to make the to make the cold open so like designed for people like us instead of just people who don't watch SNL all the time. You know, I feel like what I was expecting was more so to lean into like, you know, all of the things that we've been missing out on, and to like go more deep into those news stories. You know, rather than like do just talking about the show like anything that we talked about with Trump it wasn't really about Trump it was so meta and it was about the show it was about SNL and I think that like that was a really cool thing to do because I I would expect that the main goal would be to try to like get people in who are just not so tapped into this like meta culture around it like how we analyze the that's probably the last time you're gonna see him you know tonight and all of us are going like you know statistically yeah it it is probably and then we were you know that wasn't true Um, But I just think it was cool to to be like, we are, it it felt like fan service. And I appreciate that. I think I'm in the camp that the more meta, the better and the more self-aware and the more we're like laughing at things that the, you know, the, the, the deepest cut type of audience, the more that we are catered to, the better we feel about it. Um, but I'm curious how they're going to weave that in throughout the season because I do think it's important to balance you know what we like with what people like who are just going to tune in on a random Saturday or if they're not usually watching the show and they're with a friend that weekend who does watch the show you know how are you going to loop someone like that in to me that's also important to balance so as much as I love when the show is Kate, just just to me I also do hope to see some you know some ways to balance it a little bit more so it's For people who really want that, that those in-jokes and for people who couldn't care less about the in-jokes, because I think that those people also, uh, you know, there's there's room for them to also understand, you know, 90% of the jokes the way that people who really watch SNL understood 100% of the jokes.
1: Yeah, totally. Kalina, I would love to get your thoughts on the cold open as well.
0: Yeah, so um, I think kind of going off your point a little bit, as soon as the Cold Open started and I kind of realized what it was going to be, my first thought was like, oh my God, this is so designed for me. This is not only my type of humor, but this is a great reflection of like how I feel about the show and what I care about. But I also started thinking of, you know, like five random people that don't really watch SNL or that make fun of me for being as obsessed with SNL as I am. And I'm like, oh, they would also find this funny. And so I think you're exactly right, Nicole, that this was like a great way to kind of achieve the balance for both audiences. And I was genuinely impressed because I feel like the departure of the amount of cast members we had and specifically some of you know the anchors, people um, like 80, people like um, Kate, it was going to be an elephant in the room that they knew they had to address in some way. And frankly, I was really curious how they were going to do it and if it was going to be done in a way that was going to satisfy me as a dedicated and a long viewer. So I was so excited when it became meta like this I never become a happier human being than when John Hamm unexpectedly appears in something, whether it's a movie or a commercial. Um, <laughs> I think there was literally like a State Farm commercial that he, he appeared in, you know, at some point. I was like, "Oh, John Hamm! Oh, John Hamm! Just keeps showing up in things." Um, that's always strong for me. I actually put in my notes potentially might be one of my favorite club opens of all time. I mean, I I was happy I was laughing I was excited it made me kind of even that much more geared up for like the rest of the episode and the rest of the season I'm also just generally a big sucker for fourth wall breaks and then Peyton Manning is also one of my favorite hosts or at least one of my favorite athletic hosts and so I always kind of love the tie-in and it makes me reminiscent of when he's been on the show before so honestly 10 out of 10 sketch for me that's that's kind of my perfect SNL sketch
3: John just looked like he was about to tear up when you said. Yeah, it's my favorite saying, episode well, of SNL. I so so
1: <laughs> that's. It, it so, be,
3: it yeah, no, I, said. I,
1: I do love that you said that. And look, I, if, if there's anything that this cold open shows, besides the fact that it was funny, it was pretty well written, like it was a good cold open. It sort of shows to the casual SNL fan that's tuning in for the premiere. Hey, maybe I'll check out the premiere of SNL and see what it's like. It actually makes you feel like SNL is a show that is not meant to just be watched on that evening it's a show that exists like beyond that current episode there's a world of snl there's world building there's character development that happens in real life between these cast members it's a beautiful thing that's done for the show that's lasted for 48 years so i loved every minute of this okay we get our incredible new uh opening montage i'll say incredible because i was just excited to get to see something new and fresh does anyone want to comment on the uh new montage we got to see
0: I was just I really excited because it felt very vintage and reminded me, you know, again, kind of of the like Fred Armisen, Jason Sudeikis, like that era, um, you know, the the different changes in the font. Honestly, as geeky as it is, every new season, like the new opening credits are always one of the things I'm most excited for. Um, and I have to say also because I'm seeing a lot of comments that are warming my heart. I did miss seeing Alex Muffett's name. He would have had a fantastic little new little number in this opening. And I did right, we, a lot we, about we it. did a
1: podcast on that already. So but uh, <laughs> but yes, the the new montage is got how you liked it?
2: Yeah, I mean it's always strange when the first person leaves. So now uh, Mikey Day takes like the leadoff spot, so that's always different. Uh, I also like that there was this little through line of like seeing all the cast members. Like either before or after they'd already been announced, like they were popping up in like each other's little vignettes, which was kind of cool. Like they've done a little bit of that in the past, but I think they really leaned into it uh, this time.
1: Yeah, let me address the elephant in the room. So, my understanding about why Cecily Strong was not in the opening, I believe she is in California filming or not filming, uh, doing her show right now. So, I don't believe that they had an opportunity this week to film with Cecily for the opening montage. I believe that once she is back, it's very easy for them to film some stuff with Cecily and then insert her into the montage. So, unless snl or NBC or us like somebody announces that cecily's gone she's not gone so uh, i know that we're getting a lot of questions about that but i believe she's still part of the show though i will say i have been arguing this for a long time if you're not in the building that night you should not be in the montage this is something that goes back to the beginning of the show and i think that's a tradition that they should start over so that's
2: always been my two cents on that let me correct myself to che not day uh on che the
1: yeah yeah perfect okay let's talk about the monologue that we got here from miles teller so uh, another jake nordwin and mike dicenzo piece that we got the, that duo uh last year uh oh by the way the manny cast cold open was written by uh colin jose uh Patton, schultz and tucker uh teller monologue written by nordwind and dicenzo and we get uh you know the typical thing that we got last year where we got these first-time hosts talking about their backgrounds um you know their own personal anecdotes a very interesting funny comparison between miles teller and rachel Meadow in terms the way that they looked but uh for me this was all about the home movie of miles teller as a kid imitating uh sherry o'terry and then will ferrell as the spartan cheerleaders just just the cutest thing ever so nicole what'd you think of this
3: yeah i mean we've been really spoiled i feel like more so the last couple of seasons with a lot of home videos um and i i honestly can't get enough i'm almost so spoiled that when he was saying that he maybe didn't have it or he thought he lost it There was no part of me that thought we weren't about to see it. I I knew we were about to see it, Um, which was um, I was I was happy. He kind of made it seem like we weren't going to, but it was just like so sweet. And I I think I will say I feel like in this case, it was so cute and so funny that I love to see it. Um, but I do wonder, like, we we should start a count when we do, you know, all of our stats and, and a- analyzing how many home videos and break it down. What type? Is it someone doing a sketch? Is it someone talking about SML? Is it someone just being an actor when they're five years old? I feel like that in itself. I'm going to talk to Mike, our stats guru. I feel like we can do a whole breakdown about the the art and science of using home videos from childhood in monologues. I'm excited about that one. Um, But yeah, I I loved it. I feel like also I learned that he just has one of those faces, Miles Teller, that he looks like a lot of people. Like in the cold open, it was, oh, that's Peyton Manning. In the monologue, that's Rachel Maddow. (laughs) Like, I feel like he can be anyone. He was the finance bro. He embodied that extremely specific character. Like, I think, and maybe that's why he's had success, you know, in entertainment. I think he can, like, he can, he really can transform into anyone and it's it was really cool to see. So yeah, I thought the it was definitely the whole monologue was just truly like a lead up to that adorable video. Um I mean, John and I we we were talking about it would have been fun to have a really big moment for the uh you know, the new cast members in the monologue, but I do feel like the night wasn't so much about Miles Teller that I liked his his monologue was that place. I think um you know maybe maybe like I'm open to the idea that mid-season we're gonna get something with the new cast members and it didn't have to be the first episode that they appear in um something like really really all about them the four of them and doing something quirky and embarrassing um I'm down for that to be at any point in the season um yeah I, I I liked it and I I feel like it was some of the most kind of spotlight that Miles Teller got throughout the night but he he did a great job and just in general, which we'll talk about Of like, um, he he left a lot of room for other people to shine throughout the night, but he also was really captivating at the same time. Kalina, how did you feel
1: about the monologue? I know, like you said, you were hesitant about what you were going to get to see from Miles Teller coming in, but did he turn you around with, especially with the monologue?
0: I have to admit, I actually cried at the end of the monologue because I was really touched by like his connection to Saturday Night Live seemed so genuine. And I feel like I have a pretty solid gauge for when a host is doing it because it's just a thing you should do if you get offered to host SNL. I feel like it's pretty clear when they don't necessarily have like an emotional connection to the show or they don't watch it or don't really have a history of watching it. And so automatically, I'm gonna be that much more on board and kind of cheering for the host if I know that it's something that they're like really jazzed about and they're really excited to be there. Um, And I don't know, he, he seemed just really genuine and passionate about it. I liked that the monologue was not written to be like overly self-deprecating because SNL tends to do that with certain hosts and it kind of feels like you're just beating a dead horse after a while. So it felt, um, you know, kind of light. It felt like a good intro into the rest of the show and it wasn't too lengthy, which I appreciate because sometimes the monologues, I don't know, kind of feel like they go on for a long time and then it distracts me a bit from the show. So I liked it.
1: Haskell, how do you feel about the monologue? Were you missing that element like we were talking about, about introducing the new cast members or did you think about that at all?
2: No, well, actually, I'm happy they didn't do it because um, although, you know, we watch SNL year and year, you know, and we start to see the patterns, sometimes I'm happy that um, it's not always the pattern. And I'm glad this isn't just like, oh, we have a bunch of new cast members, so they have to do the big new cast member monologue. Like, it's okay to, to pass that stuff off when you have a good monologue, and you had a good monologue. Like, you know, when you see somebody like Miles Teller and you see people talk about growing up watching SNL, like sometimes you remember like it 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 wasn't always like, you know, that sh- it's as divisive almost as it is now where people are either like, oh, it sucks now, it shouldn't be on anymore. Or there's people that are like, we like it. There's a reason for it to be here. And I also feel kind of embarrassed. Like I don't have like, I can say I was a big SNL fan growing up. I don't have any home videos, though. Like, when I host, and if you're a fan of the show, you know I was taken in the potential host draft this year. So I could pop up later this year. Like, I won't have a tape to show to prove it. So a little embarrassed. Yeah, that's too bad. Okay.
3: I'm sure there are plenty of child actors who would love you to pay them $5, and they will star in your home video as you. Just like smudge the camera a little bit. Say it's from 100 years ago when you were born and it'll work fine.
2: Perfect. Yeah, we
1: can get that done. Okay, let's head to our first sketch of the night. And I also really enjoyed this one. It is known, according to SNL, as DM Game Show. This is a you know, we do get a lot of game show sketches to start, but I actually think this was a good one. Uh, Please don't destroy. And new writer, August white wrote this one where uh, there's a game called send something normal. And we have miles seller as the host, Mikey day playing Adam Levine, JJ as army hammer Keenan as Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bowen Yang plays himself. And it's a, it's a game basically to see who can answer properly in the DMS. So Kalina, I will start with you on this one. How did you feel about DM game show? Send something normal.
0: I have to say, I immediately rolled my eyes because it was just, like, too real. Like, (laughs) there's been too many situations where DMs just go completely awry for some reason. And people cannot seem to just make, I don't know, like normal conversation, or there's always some motive behind it. Uh, But then I found it really funny. I will say, unfortunately, I, I was so thrown by Mikey's Adam Levine impression. I don't know if it was maybe just like a last minute job that was thrown at him. I don't even know that there's necessarily distinguishable qualities to do a good Adam Levine impression, but he started getting like a weird country twang at some point, and their best efforts he didn't resemble adam levine whatsoever um so that kept throwing me off um also the army hammer of it all i don't know that also like the impression wasn't really working for me that well and so i was definitely leaning more into either the bowen aspect or um actually keenan's neil degrasse tyson i thought was really funny i thought that whole bit and what it kind of um spiraled into was really good but i'm kind of learning and this is maybe a little bit unfair with my expectations If the impressions don't connect with me or if it feels like they may be misplaced, like the wrong actor for that impression, then I notice I kind of have just a general disconnect in the sketch. So I didn't dislike it. It just wasn't my favorite of the night.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I think uh, so. We had Bill Hader and Taryn Killam play Adam Levine each once on the show prior. Uh, I definitely see your point. See, for me, I think I'm a little bit opposite of you, Kalina, where like I don't need the like if it's not like a family feud sketch where the subject of the sketch is basically about the impression, then I feel like I can look past it to sort of like monitor the uh, what is the message I'm trying to get across or they're trying to get across in the sketch and then I sort of disregard that. So for me, I was able to enjoy it regardless, but I would love to get Haskell and Nicole's opinion on this. So Let me start with Haskell. What do you think of Send Something Normal?
2: I like I'm like a am a sucker for when SNL does a game show and then the actual game is something incredibly simple, like in this case, like and I know it's a it's something it's a well that they go back to a ton, but I, I'm still a sucker for it. um But I almost I like I think the idea of the sketch and I know they're playing off of specifically like some things that have happened recently, but I don't even know if you needed. Uh, celebrity impressions for this game show or if it would have just worked if it was like just regular guys with maybe Bo and Yang or maybe one other impression. I don't know if you actually needed it to be a line of celebrities, Um, but it also worked for me because uh, it was paced really well. We went through, we introduced everybody and then they all played one round. They didn't try to go like, I feel like that sketch on other nights is like three rounds and all of the celebrities are kind of saying the same joke over and over again so it wasn't the strongest sketch but it kind of stuck with me because it was like nice it was quick paced we got some laughs in and we moved on with the night
1: definitely nicole i'd love to get your thoughts on this i was sitting next to my my wonderful girlfriend Allie, and we were watching this one together and she turned to me and she said uh, how come they don't have ned from the try guys in this do you feel oh, like that was is that a missed opportunity
3: good call Allie. um i don't think it was a missed opportunity, and I will tell you why. The reason okay. why is also the reason that I disagree with Haskell, and it's because I think the I'm being hard on you so randomly. I didn't I didn't have any vendetta. No, you're
1: looking for I'm a new rival in me. season three.
3: Yes, I need new rival, and you're you might be the 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 target here. It's just I don't know. It's happening. I think that the re like the foundation of that sketch was the the Adam Levine and the Army Hammer like they were parodying those exact texts and then I feel like having Bowen as the sort of like breath of fresh air of the like of of like oh Bowen will be fine like Bowen will be nice and then of course like the, the comedic part was saying like okay there's something that will make Bowen not be normal and it's like Dua Lipa and I thought that was like a nice kind of undercut of like when Bowen is supposed to be sort of like the like just being like the comfort type of character and then like there's it's just funny that like there's always something that like no one in the world is normal at all like there's some something that will make everyone not normal um and i kind of i like that sort of large larger commentary about people and human nature whether you know it's it's a, a cannibal or it's a cheater or it's just our normal you know favorite you know personalities everyone everyone has their abnormalities <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I feel like it was important to have the exact people that they were calling out in Adam Levine, in Army Hammer. And then the try guy, Ned, he didn't have the damning text evidence. He had, you know, the, the photo and the video evidence of him. with. And th- this, this is, you know, if, if anyone doesn't know, Ned is, is one of the, the try guys, the BuzzFeed guys, who he was the wife guy in the, the group. They created bu- BuzzFeed videos together for years. And they still now they have their own production company, Second Try. And they do all this c- content, and then he, his whole shtick was he was the wife guy. Turns out he was cheating on his wife, and now he's banished from the the, the guys. So he's also been in the news, um, just like Adam Levine, just like Army Hammer. But I think it was a spe- it was because I wish that the, the the episode had talked about him, but I think it was smart not to like make up something in text because like the Army Hammer texts and Adam Levine texts were so specific and like memeable that I think it was it was right to like give those moments their specific, you know, thing. Um, but I do, now that you say that, I do wish that, or now that Allie says that, I do wish that we had seen some Try Guy uh, content uh, tonight. Like even, I feel like a pre-tape, like Please Don't Destroy, they, they could have been the the Try Guys and then the fourth, and, and then Ned could have been, so there are four guys and now there are three guys because the fourth guy has been banished. So the three Please Don't Destroy guys could be the try guys and then the fourth ned who is no longer could have been miles teller isn't that that's kind of funny
1: Yeah, I mean, it could have worked, but we will get to the uh, Please Don't Destroy pre-tape that existed in this episode, which was the Be Real pre-tape. They actually wrote that one. So we'll talk about that one next, which was a, basically, it was a bank robbery where we had Mikey Day and Miles Teller coming in to rob the bank. I believe we saw Andrew and Sarah and Heidi and Bowen and Ego, uh, Devin, and I believe Marcello were in this as well, security guards, if I got that correct. And uh, yeah, so Mikey and Miles are robbing the bank when all of a sudden, the b-reels start popping because you have two minutes to take uh, a picture and uh, i was gonna say to nicole earlier in the day when i knew they were doing a b-real thing i said i was saying you're gonna have to explain this for people who don't have it but the sketch basically did that for us so i guess we could sort of break it down that way so haskell are you a b-real guy and did you enjoy this pre tape
2: you know i used to feel like like I had my finger on the pulse when I watched SNL. Now it makes me feel old, man. Like I'm almost 30. I was like, did they make this up or is this like a real thing? Like I, I, I was so like, I never heard of it and I'm typically not this person. Like I like to stay involved, but uh, I guess it's not big in my neck of the woods right now. So um, I do think the sketch was good at explaining um, what the social media was uh, enough to get the joke, I guess my only issue with it in hindsight is like, when I went back and did my research and everything, it was sort of like, oh, okay, that's, it felt like the sketch that anybody could have written after they heard what that's, what it is. And it didn't kind of elevate itself to, to the next level. Um, so as a quick pre-tape, it was good um i like pre-tapes that can get a lot of the cast in and um i thought a lot of the cast in their roles were like kind of quick and punchy which i liked um but i i just want that to be uh elevated a little bit more take take one more left turn uh before you're done with that sketch
1: yeah so this was please don't destroy and celeste yim that put together this pre-tape so uh nicole obviously you were very familiar with the app so how did this play for you
3: yeah, I mean, for me, it played well, because I love the app. And I think it, it was that in a way was a good sort of coming back from summer, like we're going to talk about this thing, because it really exploded right after SNL ended, essentially last last year. And, and for anyone who does need a little bit of a refresher, basically, it's an app where it's so you get a notification, and it's everyone in the world at the same time. So you know, if you have a job, if you have a sleep schedule, doesn't matter the alarm goes off at the same time and the idea is that you have to stop whatever you're doing you know if you're cooking if you're cleaning if you're at work if you're sleeping if you're on the toilet it doesn't matter you have to stop and show the world what you're doing and so you show yourself and then you show the world around you as the sketch explained and of course you can do it late but then you're kind of a loser you're fake if you do it late so um so that's that was the point and it, it just sort of like there was also even bigger than the app itself has been this trend of making fun of the app I would say it, it's a hundred percent that like the the discourse around it is bigger than the thing itself um kind of like a don't worry darling which I wanted to hear about that movie tonight that's my main critique of the night is I wish we got uh, some like in-depth analysis of what's going on with that some spit but content. nonetheless exactly some spitcon but um anyway I yeah. So so be real. I think it was a good way to like satirize. It was sort of it was talking about the conversation around it because people will make fun of like like we did, you know, the Titanic, like Bowen as the iceberg and the Titanic as a be real meme. So things like that. It's it's more funny to think of like these crazy circumstances. I did it at the emergency room today, um, which it, it went off 20 hours earlier, but I was 20 hours late. And you were so the loser. I kind of left out. I was the loser ultimately. Yeah, exactly. Not real. Yeah, because I didn't. I didn't know I would be at the ER though, so I didn't try to make it cool to get like. Because people will do that for clout on be real to be like, oh my god, I'm at the emergency room, or like, oh my god, something crazy and bad is happening, and you wait for it. But I just forgot, and then I was there, and I was like, oh, I mean, I have to. Flip off okay, what did you think real. of the sketch? Anyway, I liked it. I thought it was a perfect like. It was, it was a great, I mean, for me, it sort of, it was perfect for me because I know the app and I've been making fun of it all summer and enjoying it all summer. Um, but I also think, right, Haskell, that it plays well, even if you're not, like, a fan of Be Real. It's like, it just the, the the circumstances are funny of, like, oh, there's this, you know, this crazy thing going on, but everyone has this other thing going on that is normalized, even though it's weird. And it's like, I feel like that's sort of like a human thing that everyone can tap into. Um, so I thought they did they balance that well. And also please don't destroy in Celestium that like foursome is like anything that both of them are on together. It's it's always like a standout for me every single time. So I'm starting to like, like, I'm glad right out the gate. I have something please don't destroy in Celeste because I'm always a fan of, of that collaboration.
1: All right, Kalina, you're waiting patiently for that notification. Tell us your thoughts. Be real on the Be real pre tape. <laughs>
0: Um, so I had a friend send me a link to be real and asked me to download it. And I messaged her and asked her if her account got hacked because I thought it was spam. Um, so that's the kind of like old woman I am. I'm not on it. I don't understand it. And so I really enjoyed this sketch because it was the most understanding I've ever had of what be real is. And it worked for me. Um, It was, it was pretty funny. I don't know. It sounds creepy and toxic and does not sound like an app I will ever be interested in. Um, but I think by its design, it does seem like the perfect setup for a sketch like this for SNL. I feel like that is exactly kind of like the basis for a joke they need. I like that it was um a pre-tape. I don't think this would have really worked for me if it was a live sketch. Um the only thing I have to say and this is nobody's fault, my first thought was like, oh, the character that Miles Teller is playing would have been Pete Davidson any other season. Um so I don't know. Just that's my final thought. Just do with that.
1: Okay. Let's cha 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 over to the Charmin sketch, which was uh, Punky, Heidi, and Keenan, and Miles Teller, who got accepted to toilet paper college. Uh, Keenan uh, is sort of upset because Miles doesn't want to go. Uh, he doesn't want to go to that doo doo college. Uh, lots of toilet humor over here, speaking of. Uh, be reels on the toilet so uh we later get bow and yang coming in in this sketch as well so let's let's talk about uh the Charmin sketch that we got here nicole uh, how did you feel about this one
3: i felt good about it it was very surrealist and quirky and um also relatable i mean i julio torres is one of my favorite writers of all time on snl and i was just listening to his 92nd street y conversation with fred Armisen. Um, today, this morning. And I also, I went to the one he did with Bowen a few months ago. Um, and so I'm very much in the Julio headspace today. And um, this feels like the sort of campy bordering on, like like Theater Kid without the musical theater, without the music part. This is like, this is like Theater Kid Julio is how I felt about the sketch, if that resonates with anyone. It was like this surrealism of turning inanimate objects into um, emotional vehicle vessels for heartache and, and pain and needing to impress your parents and needing to follow what's expected of you and those those pressures of doing what you think you have to do, um, but in this sort of campy costume. Um, and that's where I say the theater kid part of it comes in. Um, henceforth, I feel like um, Cecily would have been in, in this, absolutely, for sure. Um, and I feel like I was. this was the part of the night where I was missing Cecily, where I would have loved to see her. Um, but yeah, I loved it because I'm that's kind of where I fall is like my intersection. There's this huge part of me that is like the Julio Torres comedy of the surrealism, and then the like campy theater kid, like quirky, whatever stuff. So I was happy, and I felt like the stakes were so dramatized but also very relatable at the same time. Um, kind of reminds me of um, Julio's book I keep talking about, but like the, the, um, his children's book about wanting to be a plunger, wanting to be a vase, similar kind of vibes there. So maybe there was some some inspo. I I was I was happy with it, and I love the costumes. Like shout out okay. to to the costume team; those were really fun. Yeah,
1: Kalina, what do you think of the Charmin sketch?
3: Many, many, many thoughts.
0: Um, first of all, this lives in the same space of my brain where um, the sketch where Josh Hutcherson has Vanessa Barris as his turkey girlfriend. These two sketches are like the same kind of thing in my brain. And I love those kind of sketches. Anything that is completely ridiculous and led by Keenan Thompson will work for me a hundred times out of a hundred. I I truly almost literally fell off the couch when he blotted his tears with an entire roll of Charmin. I thought that was the funniest thing I have seen in the last six months. Um, Also, Heidi, like completely lovingly and motherly being like, well, what's wrong, honey? You stopped up. Incredible. Just like all these opportunities for these great big players to do these silly little Um, one-liners. Again, me being a little bit lost in like the TikTok dance element of it, that part didn't necessarily connect with me. I understand that I am supposed to laugh at that. It felt like it was a little bit of like a reach to the younger demographic uh, that they're trying to go for. Uh, as I will always say, this, again, felt like a little bit early in the episode for me. I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with like the order that I wish sketches were in. This very much felt like a post-update sketch, um, but I enjoyed it thoroughly, and we'll probably go back and watch this again.
1: Okay, Haskell, how did you feel about this? Would you have gone to that doo-doo college? No.
2: No. Um... One of the things I like about this is, like, I like the idea that, like, people are always like, why are they doing a, a Charmin sketch now? That that commercial's been on for years. And, I'm like, I like that it's not always topical. Like, it is something that it's, like, for years, people have been seeing these bears on TV wiping their butts for some reason. And so it, it just resonates with everybody. Like, and they've done that a few times without uh, – through the – through the last few years, I think we we're like, "Why now?" I like that it's now. Um, overall, with the sketch uh, again, I think the premise is a little easy, and it's something that we've seen a, few, a little too much these last few years. Which is like, okay, he's gonna want to do something different, and you know, it, it's gonna be this drama. Um, the, yeah, again, TikTok dancing at the end—that's that's a huge swing and a miss for me. That added no- nothing, but I will say. One of the lines of the night for me that I wrote down is he he wants to dance and not just twerking because our asses are clean. Uh, One of the lines of the night for me. And he delivered that perfectly.
1: Yeah. uh, Look, for me, this didn't totally work. I think this was the part of the night where like things like sort of like got onto shaky ground, I would say. But uh I do see like good things in this or elements of this that I did enjoy. I think that uh Keenan was by far the best part of this one. I think he was really like in his prime as far as the lines that he was, uh, especially where he was talking about working in that toilet paper mine for 40 years, only for Miles not to go to college. I think like that type of thing for me is really great. I just wish, like I, I wish they got even like more emotional with it and then didn't like have that comeback into the TikTok dance. Like I feel like if this turned into like almost like telenovela style or like really dramatic i think that probably really works for me here but i think when they turn it into like the youthful like fun tiktok dance thing i don't know that the concept of the sketch fully matched for me the tone of where it ended up but i i think there's you know this is one i definitely want to give a second watch to. so we'll talk about it i guess more on monday okay yeah kalina
0: I do want to just add really quickly as well that Pinky broke during or excuse me, Pinky. Um okay. Punky broke during this sketch. And I don't like, does she have not a teletops. history of breaking easily? I feel like that is maybe the first time that I remember seeing her break.
1: Uh, I I can't remember the, not that I remember of, but uh No, yeah, I, yeah, I don't guess, think I so. So track. that was that,
0: that was a fun that was a yeah. fun little bonus. I always love when the when the cast break.
1: Yeah, and, and natural breaking is good. That's that's fine. But not not forced, uh, not forced breaking. Okay, let's go over to our next piece, which was a Mikey and Streeter and Rosebud Baker piece called Rooftop Bar, where Miles Teller and Mikey Day were playing finance bros or day traders who were talking about the girls that they were going to get at the bar. All of a sudden, Chloe and Ego walk over, and uh, yeah, they are the girls at the bar. And uh, Heidi is the bartender, and Mikey and Miles get very very nervous. So uh, this was an interesting one to see the turn in. And the personalities as as it was going on Nicole how'd you feel about rooftop bar
3: this was great I mean above all like amazing performances from especially Mikey and miles like miles was doing a great job Mikey I feel like was just like so in his element here and it was really fun to watch um like he just I feel like this just shows like how good he is and also how relied on he is like he, he's delivering these performances. Um, so seamlessly. He's always doing things that just work so well, and he does things that, like, I feel like without what he does in a lot of sketches, the sketch would not function. It would not work. Um, so he he was just perfect. It was also, like, so real. Uh, be real. It was very real. <laughs> it reminded me of, I feel like it took place in the bar that, like, Nicholas Braun and Pete Davidson and, like, a bunch of them other, a, a lot of other people co-own. I'm not talking about Ray's. I'm talking about pebble bar it felt very that like colin jost yeah colin Jost has a stake in that yeah it felt like that to me (laughs) it was so funny and i liked that it was kind of spun things on its head like it made the it's, it's supposed to be that that trope of the finance bro it's sort of the way people talk about it i feel like glorifies the finance bro in the situation and it really humbled them And that was just great. Like I have never truly seen finance bros be humbled that much before, like truly. Um, Also Heidi as a bartender, I feel like is a character that could be explored much more. I think that that, um, I feel like she, she could add a lot of depth to a lot of different types of bartenders. And I wanna see more of that this season.
1: Kalina, how did you feel about rooftop bar?
3: It was just okay for me, honestly. Um, I feel like
0: maybe it lands a little bit better. I feel like it's a bit more of a regional joke. So like out here in Los Angeles, I don't really encounter a lot of like finance bros. I encountered it a bit when I was in Chicago and I you know have spent enough time in New York that I understand the concept. But personally, I feel like maybe if I was on dating apps and these were like the kind of guys that I was talking to, maybe it would resonate with me a little bit more. So I, I think I just wasn't the built-in demographic for this. So it was a little bit over my head. I don't know. It also seemed like a really easy cop out joke to have Mikey reveal that he's a virgin kind of as like the big punchline. line. Um, to be honest, it felt a little bit just like lazy writing to me like, oh, we don't didn't write the number of sketches we need for this week. Let's throw in a finance bros sketch. So it was I don't know
3: was was not my top sketch of the night.
0: I'll be That's the fair. devil dad kid on this one. OK,
3: I'll agree with you about the, the virgin joke at the end. I, I agree that that could have been more creative.
1: Haskell how'd you feel about rooftop bar?
2: I really liked it actually and I think uh this is what happens sometimes and I I saw a lot of people on Twitter uh, during the episode you know the big thing is like we've seen this before oh this is definitely like a Mikey and Streeter thing like we've seen this before and I think some like I SNL is such a premise machine that sometimes we have a tendency to be like seen this premise before I'm out and it's like well, hold on. Like the, the, the jokes will be different. The setups will be the same. The jokes will be different. And I thought the jokes were different enough and they ran quick enough. And Miles Teller and Mikey were so invested in it that it worked pretty well for me. Like, uh, when, when Mikey just at one point, just like, there's a quick pause and he just goes, boobs, like I, he just sold it so well, like that. I, it, it got a laugh from me. Um, this is like, again, we've seen premises like this before, but I, I actually would be excited if halfway through the season you see Mikey Day show up as this character again and we get a different host being a different finance bro and we see their take on it. Well, I mean, it would have a lot to live up to because Miles Teller was, I thought, phenomenal in this. At one point, like it almost felt like he got like hung up on his lines. But the character was supposed to and I I really can't tell if he just did such a good job or if he really did get like like hung up on the line and just played it off. But either way, like it worked out perfectly.
1: I'm going to have a dissenting opinion here where I actually like I like this sketch in concept I think Mikey was really strong in it I really liked Mikey's character in it and I agree I would like to see Nick Chodecork again down the road I think Miles Teller was miscast in this sketch and he may have done a good job because I think Miles Teller was a decent host I think this should have been another cast member I think if you're going to write this type of concept for the premiere you cast Mikey Day perhaps with one of the newbies in this sketch and have them play off each other because this is the type of sketch that is exactly what we're talking about, what we've been missing the last few years from SNL that could be repeated and that shouldn't have to rely on another host that kind of looks like a finance bro to throw in there as the second tier. I would rather see Mikey Day, who now, sorry, Kalina, no longer has Alex Moffat with him, develop with chemistry with other cast members here who could potentially play that. Why not put a Marcelo in this? Why not put someone like Michael Longfellow in this? So for me, that's, that's a little bit of a miss.
3: But then w- where would you put the host in the sketch?
1: I think at that point, you maybe write Miles in you you write a role for like a boyfriend of or somebody else coming in to hit on Chloe or Ego or something like that. You can always find the role for the host in this. But I just th- feel that the concept itself was extremely strong. And I do feel like, like just taking a step back from a producer's role here, I think there's an opportunity potentially to have used other people in this role because I think Mikey was even stronger than Miles in this one. So yeah. Um, Two cents
2: on it. Can I also just point out because I saw my good friend Bill Kenny point this out and I saw a lot of other people point this out, like a total Kyle Mooney role, right? Like a year ago, that's that's Kyle's spot. It, there's no questions asked.
1: Yeah. Anyways, look, it's, it, well, I'm gonna rewatch it again. We'll talk about it later on, but uh, that was sort of like my opinion when I was watching it. So I was like, damn, I really wish that, you know, this was another cast member in this, though Miles did a very good job as the finance bro. Okay, Kalina, I have to start with you on this next one, because I do believe you do work in a movie theater, if I got that correctly. So we have the AMC Theaters commercial, which this is a parody of an existing commercial where Nicole Kidman is promoing AMC Theaters. This time we get Chloe Feynman, who's a wonderful impressionist, playing Nicole Kidman. Uh, we get JJ I think we got Michael Longfellow, we got Molly in there, Punky, who works at the theater. But, of course, it's playing off of Keenan Thompson, who is like, what the hell is going on with this crazy lady? So, Kalina, what do you think of the AMC theater's pre
0: take I started clapping as if the plane had just landed. I was so excited <laughs> as soon as this sketch came on. I was like, this is so up my alley. I am always down for Chloe to have an opportunity to do her Nicole Kidman impression because it's it's such like a... It's a cartoony, zany take on Nicole Kidman, but it's somehow incredibly accurate at the same time. Um, And I, especially during the pandemic, I became a really big fan of the different impressions that Chloe did. Anyone who is not familiar with this little thing that plays at AMC, please look it up immediately. It's so chaotic the memes that have come out of it because at some screening people stood up and did literally like salute Nicole Kidman as this was happening and I think the reason I was probably so jazzed about it is the first time I like when that thing started playing at AMC I was like oh man this is really how I feel when I watch movies like Nicole gets me I didn't realize like it was lost on me how corny it was and how memeable it was and it wasn't until the internet got its hands on it that I was like oh wait maybe this is not as emotional and like thought-provoking as I thought it was when I experienced it in real time so I was I was completely thrilled with this parody um I did not expect it to basically turn into like a, a cult and her like ascending to the top um but you know yet at the same time it's a cult I would join so 10 out of 10
1: haskell this is how i imagined you were when the community movie was announced this week you were just full on cult
2: yeah i was sitting up and saluting um yeah as for this sketch it's one of those things like i feel like people have been asking for snl to touch on this for like a while and they haven't and that's not something you always see where it feels like sometimes something passes and you're like ah snl didn't touch upon it so I'm glad they came back to it. My and I really liked it. My only thing is is again I would have turned it up a little bit earlier. Like I would have gotten into kind of the satanic voice and the cult aspect of it a little bit earlier. And um, maybe the, the last line didn't hit for me that well. Like a a good Keenan reacts is great, um, but just kind of like a a, a bleep uh, is not enough of a punchline for me. I wish I wish there was something else there.
1: Fair enough. Nicole, how do you feel about the AMC Theaters parody?
3: This was perfect. This was really, this was really perfect. It was, it's just the type of sketch that is so fun to see in the moment, but it's even more so just important for posterity. Like this will be almost, no, this, this will be, this will be 45% as important as the real version, you know, in 10 years and 20 years. Like it will, I think that this has the, the potential to like, become kind of what the original is known for to be like people will get them confused and it'll be like oh yeah and then it turns out nicole kidman is basically like running this cult of like movie lovers and it's great and it's awesome and that's sort of like how people are going to come to think of it um which i do think was what we were all getting at when we think of it and we see the salutes and we want to talk about it that way i feel like this what was perfect about this was it tapped into like the the psyche of people who love that commercial myself included Um, and it was sort of tapping into something that maybe we didn't know was true, which was that we all kind of want to join the Nicole Kidman cult of moviegoers. And now that that idea is in front of me, I think, oh yes, that is actually how I have felt since I saw the, since I first saw it. Like that is exactly how I felt and I didn't know. So that's what's perfect is like, I didn't know that I felt this way, but I actually have the whole time. Um, So that was great. Um, also, Chloe had previewed her, um her, contacts that she was wearing to be um that in that moment of the, the the creepiness um when she did the Instagram takeover for SNL this week so that was cool to see she she teased how what, that she needed contacts for something and then we saw them in action and um so that was fun also to, to see and yeah I kind of think this could be recurring because Nicole Kidman has renewed her contract for, to do this again for another year. And I think that more content is on the horizon. And so if we get more Nicole Kidman in a new, the same vibes, I think that we need this again from Chloe. And I think that we could get it many times. I feel like this cult has legs and I, I think I want to see more of it. Yeah. This, I, that's my theme. Another headline for me is I keep on, I feel like the seeds are being planted. Like Heidi as a bartender, Chloe as a cult leader, all these things are being planted for me, and I'm like, yes, more, more. I'm being great yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So the premiere should here.
1: All
3: right. Yes. This was the third yeah. time
1: we saw Chloe as Nicole Kidman. Uh, I absolutely love this. I think the length was really good. That was the key here. I think I saw that in the chat short sweet get get in get out i think it was perfect for this uh, particular episode so very happy to have seen this here okay uh kendrick lamar was our musical guest tonight uh performed rich spirit and n95 the first time then performed father time featuring sampha the second time so uh, great on kendrick happy to have him back for the third time a little bit surprised we didn't get kendrick in any uh, pre-tapes or anything like that so um that was a little surprising. I know there were no pre tapes that were cut, at least the ones that were shown at dress rehearsals. So uh, nothing as far as we know that Kendrick was in, uh, that was probably a surprise for me, but let's talk about weekend updates. So weekend updates, uh, you know, for everything feeling fresh, we do get the return of Joseph and Shay over here with, I believe, I think our, our friend Ellis in the chat pointed out that there's a slightly bluer background this time for Joseph and Shay. Maybe that's the only thing that changed, but we'll keep a lookout for that. And um, so interesting night from Justin and Shay, and then we get three different sets Sets of correspondence. So we're gonna take them one at a time. Let's start with Keenan Thompson and JAJ as Herschel Walker and Mitch McConnell. First appearance of James Austin Johnson on weekend update ever. He was the only cast member last year to not appear on update. Keenan plays Herschel Walker. It's our first Herschel Walker impression on SNL since Eddie Murphy in 1983. Haskell, how do you feel about this?
2: Man, how many times I guess we can say late into his tenure, but we don't know how many times this far into his tenure is Keenan going to show up on Weekend Update with just a phenomenal character where you're like, yeah, give me that three times a year. I'll be fine. Like his Herschel Walker was great. It's very reminiscent of other characters he plays on Weekend Update, but like that's Keenan's thing. Like, you, you know what I mean? He's so good at it that he can just go back to the well so many times. I love, though, that he didn't just come out as Herschel Hershel Walker, that they actually brought in J.A.J. to be Mitch McConnell to play off of. I love a weekend update sort of odd couple. There's this. I love that they had this dynamic of like Mitch McConnell knows he's an idiot who's not really qualified and he's going to say stupid stuff, but he's just going to sit there and try to like make it work. Um, and then, of course, J.A.J.'s Mitch McConnell was probably, you know, the best one that we've seen. Uh, Beck had a good character, but this was obviously a much better, I think, technical impression. So those two things working together made that a really good piece. Okay, Nicole, you
1: got anything on the Keenan and J pairing here?
3: Yeah, I mean, also just the, from the stats perspective, as, as we posted, officially every every returning cast member from Season 47 has officially been on Weekend Update. And I, I mean, for the, one of the best, if not the best, you know, rookie season of all time on the show for JAJ. For, for him, I feel like he now officially has, has every notch in his belt on the show. Um, I'm honestly shocked that he didn't get it last year, but he was very busy doing quite a lot. So it's not a bad thing that it took this long, but I'm really happy that he has it because I feel like um, maybe now I, I, I would like to see him more actually it, on Weekend Update this year. I feel like um, the cold open, the, the Trump or the Biden, it's going to be one, which will it be? I feel like I, and we, we got it this time too, but I am a little bit fatigued of that already. So I think that in his sophomore season, I want to see JJ less in the cold opens in his intense makeup for Biden or Trump. And like, I think he could just slay on update in many different political impressions. I think that's like a really fun place for him to try a new vibe. And I thought it was fun. I feel like, yeah, JJ and Keenan bounced off each other really well. It was fun. Um, I mean, for me, it was my least, my least memorable for various reasons of the three. Um, And that's just because the other two had met certain things that were very memorable for me. But yeah, I mean, we also got all three and for the premiere when so much was going on, that's, that was crazy that we got three in there, but I, it felt like they all were good and, and I think they all had their place. So I'm, I'm happy about that.
1: Okay. Kalina, anything on this one?
0: Yeah, I agree with Nicole. I was probably like the least interested um, in, in this one. I was delighted like everyone else was. And I think Andrea said it perfectly, like an odd couple pairing. I don't really have a recollection of um, like in my mind of J.A.J. J. and Keenan interacting a lot. So that was fun to just see spotlight on the two of them I am flabbergasted at how much he looked like Mitch McConnell because sometimes either you know the the facial expressions or you know how they're mimicking them or maybe the prosthetics don't always completely line up and I was kind of like blinking at my tv like wow that's that's some really impressive and quick change work they had to do there as well. So um yeah, I mean I'm I'm always down for for Keenan to, you know, say funny names or just say things in a funny way even if I'm not completely connected to the material, as long as he's the one doing it, I'm always going to be on board.
1: Okay, let's talk about the second appearance on weekend update or the second correspondent on weekend update. Uh Mr. Michael Longfellow who out of the four newbies I I wouldn't have guessed necessarily would have made uh the biggest splash on their first night on the show but we had the same feeling about jaj last year so you never really know what's going to happen but uh he comes in he does he's the first person since pete davidson back in 2014 to have an appearance in his first episode on weekend update as a correspondent and uh yeah he comes out talking about his family being anti-vaxxers and they get to learn a bit about michael longfellow i assume probably part of his set um yeah, I, I thought this was really good. I think, first of all, Michael Longfellow's voice, amazing, soothing voice, just really just calm um, and really enjoy getting to hear from him. Really gave me Kevin Nealon vibes as far as like his confidence and poise on the update desk and the way that he's talking to you, especially like pre-anchor week, uh, Kevin Nealon when he would come out. So um, yeah, I was really impressed with what I got to see from Michael Longfellow tonight. Nicole, starting with you on this one, how do you feel about it?
3: Yeah, that's a good comparison. I, I think it was, it was good. It seemed like he was maybe nervous, but in a way that he was going to be really good at not showing it type of thing where he was like, I felt like he was very um, energetic, but had this sort of like composure at the same time. Like he was very like present and engaged with things. Um, But he, yeah, he had this like, this composure at the same time. It was, it was, it was interesting, like very energetic, but very composed at the same time, um, which is hard to to achieve in life, you know, and then in live TV is a whole other story. <laughs> um, so that was that was cool. And it was also like, I mean, for that to be a racy uh commentary in general, I think is 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 interesting. And also, also the the lead up. I I even I'm forgetting that the lead up was talking about Sydney Sweeney and her so so her for her like a, a birthday in her family, her dad's birthday, like there were like some some t-shirts and some things where people were making connections and it's about like her family, you know, is probably not the most progressive and liberal in the world. And um so that that being the lead up. Um, and then he he was talking about, which I think is relatable for most young people. I think most young people have parents who are more conservative than they are, whether they're full blown is another story. But like I think most most young people in general are just more progressive than you know their elders. They, he had an extreme case of it. He he described, but um, I feel like there's 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 depth there. It's relatable, and it's relatable in the way that like he can relate to people who have that a little bit and who are the extreme. So yeah, I'm curious. I feel like when you're gonna do your first update, that's like he's he's gonna make that kind of his thing because um, that's what he's gonna be known for out out of the gate. So it's a really big decision to be like, I'm going to go on update my first episode and here's what I'm going to talk about. That's like, um, so, you know, I, I would guess that that might be kind of his his thing. Uh, and I, I think we, I mean, can't remember the last time we really had that uh, just as a concept. And it's also like kind of a, it's a trendy thing to not talk about because of Sydney Sweeney, because people will take it personally when it's like your parents. So I feel like he was also like treading the it felt it felt very racy, like very 90s to be like, I'm gonna say something that's gonna make people feel uncomfortable um, in this way that like, definitely felt fresh. It felt like something that usually is avoided on SNL and on most TV shows that I elect to watch, honestly, um, it felt like that type of raciness that I enjoyed. I liked I liked that it was challenging even me Um, To be like, oh, yeah, we should talk like this. And it's not a problem to be like, yeah, we have differences. So I I thought that was was good for the show. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. Kalina, how do you feel about Michael Longfellow here?
0: yeah i I think first of all that was a great lead, nicole thank you for all that insight um i don't know it was it was kind of a mix because my first reaction was like okay here's the new you know resident young person okay i get it and it, it kind of felt like they were almost setting him up to fill shoes which i i don't think is a great starting point but to nicole's point i think he did a really great job about being like all right this is the mold you think you're gonna put me in i'm just gonna melt over the top a little bit you know i liked kind of as she was describing how he was like a little shy, a little timid, but he was very composed. And, you know, if he was nervous, it didn't really show. It kind of seemed like he was kind of just gently testing out the waters and, you know, trying to figure out where exactly he was gonna get the laughs and, and when to pause a little bit longer. I like that he was kind of going into the family stuff. Like, okay, here's a little bit of my background. Here's the kind of jokes I would make. It kind of felt like I was watching him do stand-up for the first time, you know, like it it just felt like a good introduction into the kind of elements and kind of comedy that he like personally is going to bring to the show. I was not only impressed that, you know, as a new cast member that he got a spot on update right away, um, but I thought it was a really good way for me to get excited about him and now find myself like looking forward to catching him in future sketches.
1: Haskell, how do you feel about the debut of Michael Longfellow?
2: so the pete davidson things are gonna the the comparisons are gonna be there i felt like this was a little bit like Moneyball uh, as i start to see these new cast members where they were like we can't replace pete davidson and the mainstream attention that he's gonna get so we're gonna try to replace him with like three or four different people and it was a little obvious right there to throw him in on that spot on weekend update he's really good he is he's seasoned in that position And he was funny, and I want to see him do that more. My only concern for him would be like, you got to remember what Pete Davidson was when he started, which is Pete Davidson. uh, You know, he came out, he was on that first weekend update, his first episode, uh, and then he was up and down, especially those first couple years. So like, you know, it's a funny bit. And if you're gonna do funny stand up, like I appreciate funny stand up bits. If you're gonna come on Weekend Update, that's great, do them. But like, don't you know? I want to see his like next thing be in a sketch not just I don't I don't want his next big appearance to be like another stand up bit on Weekend Update and then get like locked into that role
1: yeah, I have to be honest. Like, I mean, I, I get the comparison, but I just I didn't really see it at all. Like, I didn't see the Pete and, and Michael Longfellow thing. Like, I get that they're both young people with like brown hair, but they really totally gave me like different type of stand up, like different sounding voice, like different tone. Like, I really felt like the style was just different. And uh, to me, like he, he seems like like when Pete Davidson was on the show in the beginning, like he really was like a kid. You know, like now, like Michael Longfellow didn't feel like a kid to me tonight. Like he felt like mature and seasoned, which is, I think, how we described him. So uh, I do think that there's a difference. But uh, this to me is a conversation to talk about more later on in the week, because we have to talk about Bowen Yang's appearance on Weekend Update as well as the lantern fly. So this is a typical Bowen Yang uh, trope that we talked about coming out as a uh, different type of object or animal or bug or whatever it is. Uh, he's going to eat your crops. But we got amazing energy from Bowen here. And then Andrew Dismukes comes out as the crops later on. So, so uh, Kalina, starting with you on Bowen's piece. I,
0: I am so down for anything that Bowen is going to do on update. It feels like it is where he is the most like cage free. I feel like that's where he's really allowed to kind of just throw it all to the walls creatively. I do love when he's a bug or like something really bizarre. I am completely out of the loop if like these lantern flies or whatever they're called. Are, 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 is that like a real thing that's happening right
3: now? Oh, yeah. Anyway, okay, is it just so... me on here who's seeing them?
1: I don't think Where they made it up guys? to Canada yet.
3: Haskell, have you had them? Oh my god. Okay, they are yeah. terrorizing New York. They started in New Jersey, and then by like a month ago, they're 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 in my office. They're in New York. They're in the city. They're 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 in places you would never expect them to be. Um, they are um someone I was walking down the street and 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 my doorman I, I was i was walking like out of my building my door was like oh my god you have one on your back they're everywhere he had to take it off of my back um they're they're um no they are once they hit your i mean once they hit wherever anyone listening lives like you will know it It will be done for you like they're it's wild okay so really? these Those- are real
0: this may be another yeah. example then of, you know, maybe if I was regionally placed differently, maybe I would have found it that much funnier. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I always love the update bits where the player gets to go really close to the camera, um, kind of reminds me of, you know, the Stefan bit or, or any Fred Armisen character really where at the end they would always kind of um run up to the camera there what i was curious about though is i was surprised at the amount of like audience participation in favor of the ongoing joke do you have any insight john if there happened to be someone like kind of conducting the audience of when to boo and when to kind of pull back for the joke or was that just kind of a natural interaction
1: I don't have any particular insight right now into that particular segment, but I do believe that a probably had some coaching on that because like they're told to basically be quiet and laugh otherwise. So uh, there has to have been some type of booing or perhaps pre-recorded booing involved in that. So interesting. Uh, Haskell, how did you feel about this?
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to be the bad guy here. Uh, I, I'm so done with, with these characters. Um, not just I, – I think Bowen does do it a, a lot for my liking, but I, I think I've, I've seen it from other people. Like I, I'm a punchline guy. I like punchy comedy. Like I, I don't want this like big and they bring the energy and the writing is just not there. Like I'm not going to get there. On energy alone and it's so over the top and just not focused enough uh, that that it was it was like the dud of the night for me
1: okay I know how Nicole feels about it so try, try and be succinct in your praise of this
3: well I respect your opinion um also this I'll take this opportunity to say what a night for Bowen I feel like I have similar First over, pick. um yes for our draft if anybody um we we had a a draft for and i got first pick of, of hope of a cast draft where we picked based on our projected sketch appearances who we think is gonna have the most appearances um and i got first overall pick and i picked bowen and it looks like i'm doing great because i think that he was in the mo- we'll we'll confirm all of this shortly but he i think had the best night of any cast member he had such a night and i feel like and I, I hesitate to say this. Um, I'm, I'm, like he is. I I could not say enough amazing things about Bowen. I do think it it is very like, it was kind of like the Bowen show, the way people would call it the Kate show, a little bit, a couple of years ago. And I'm happy with it. I i the more the merrier for me. But I I, I do wonder if that's kind of where we're heading. And because it, it it felt that way for you know however people feel about that, I feel good about it. Um, but anyway. So I loved it. For me, this character felt like just like like an amalgamation of a bunch of like Real Housewives characters, like all weaved into one, like Sutton Strack. It felt very much like Sutton to me, which I loved. And it was, yeah, I I would say this was a Real Housewives bug and I was for it. Also, yeah, a lot of like the the campy costumes were, were great. And I also, I liked the element of kind of incorporating, like at first- it felt like it would just be you know like archival footage of a news story where Bowen was featured like Keenan had that for the Arby's commercials twice last year where it's like he's he's not on update but he has recorded cover, you know in it but but then he was in fact in it so i thought that was a cool way to play with the form a little bit to have you know how we we were shown like a video or it looked like it was just a video and then he it turned out he really was there live um i, I like that cuz it feels like it's either you know, it feels yeah, like a, a new way to adapt the form a little bit.
1: All right, let's talk about the last two sketches that we got this evening. And we got a McDonald's sketch coming up next, where we had Sarah Sherman as Birdie, the early bird, Mikey as Ronald, uh, Mikey Donald, Bowen as Hamburglar, Keenan as Mayor McCheese, and Miles Teller as the Grimace, who has now bulked up, stopped eating McDonald's, uh, became bisexual over the summer, and Mm -hmm. he's loving both. So, Haskell, how did you feel about the McDonald's sketch?
2: Uh, I'm a sucker for any like those McDonald's characters. That has nothing to do with the fact that if you go to my Twitter right now, Andrew E. Haskell, you can find some old sketches of mine that involve McDonald's characters. But whatever. I, I, I The one thing I picked up on is I think SNL has gotten to the point now where they're like they make the the costumes. Sometimes if they think a costume isn't going to work, they're just like, let's just let's just make it bad. So that's going to be part of it. Like the makeup was definitely off. Uh, especially like right around his neck and his chin, and uh, I so a uh, part of me just thinks like they're so good at so much that I think that's part of the joke now.
1: Nicole, how would you feel about the McDonald's sketch?
3: That's a good point. They're so good at so much that if fe- I have to think on that one, Haskell, I know I was trying to be mean to you, but I I do think that's a point worth meditating on. Anyway, <laughs> um, I I liked it. I thought it was it was fun yeah I, I, I thought it was fun and McDonald's, I, I feel like there's more again to be played with about McDonald's. so I feel like it was fun. Um, and the like bisexual like coming back from the summer, it just it felt like a, a good bit on that and the costumes were fun. yeah, I, I think it, it did have some similar energy and and I think I think the reason I did st- start to feel the sort of sketch fatigue heading into the second half, I do feel like structurally, it was similar to the Charmin. And I think maybe that was some of sort of the, like, the costuming a little bit was was similar. Um, but it just felt like the, um, like the DNA of it felt, yeah, it, it felt similar to that in, like, the structuring of it more than anything. But I liked it. I, I thought it was great. I, I kind of feel like maybe, I feel like I would have liked to see this actually in the front half. And then one of the other sketches in the back half looser. Like I feel like I liked this one as more of like a tight sketch potentially, and then like loosen something else up and put it in the back half. I feel like I would have um, liked it better that way. But I like I did like it and I liked the concept. Um, but yeah, that I feel like that was related to my sort of fatigue a little bit of the like structure of things by the end. But. I truly i think i would have this might have been my favorite of the night um if it had played earlier or maybe at the very end
1: yeah this definitely would not have been my favorite of the night no matter where it was i mean i think there was like something to it that that was there but like uh, i i'm not i'm still not sure that i like i fully found the like through line here that like made it so uh structurally work i guess like the the i i always have a thing where it's like okay you have four characters and they're all like trying to no pun intended really no pun intended but trying to play it straight in this particular thing and mm-hmm. then you have like the grimmest character come in and like he. he he's supposed to be like the weird one in the room, but then they're like the other mm-hmm. characters weren't developed enough because like, we're not spo- like, are we supposed to know their characteristics from this particular sketch or from what we know about them? So like, there was a lot of like things here that like were layered to the sketch and maybe like the, the writers of the sketch didn't necessarily want us to think that deep into it, but that's what we do here. So I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know that there was much <laughs> here for me, Um, but uh, I think they had fun. So um. And then the last one of the night was Caribbean Queens. And by the way, uh, I love this song, like such a good song. Um, (laughs) When I heard it, I was jamming. But um, big Billy Ocean fan like Heidi and Ego, who played uh, the old women here, Trinity and Desiree, and uh, the older women here. And uh, Punky was the bartender. We had uh, Miles and Keenan in the sketch. And then uh, Devin Walker plays Frank Ocean in this one. So, Nicole, did you like Caribbean Queens?
3: Okay. Um, I... First, I thought it was going to be minor, but then I was, like, a little taken aback. The similarities between this and Barb and Star, Gonna be to Del Mar. Did anyone in the chat let me know if you saw, thought it was the same? Because I was like, these are the same characters. It is the same set of circumstances. It is the same personalities, bordering on the same, like, accents as, as Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo do in that movie, which is great. I mean, I what a fun movie um but it it almost felt like jamie dornan was about to pop in and cameo that's how similar it felt to me to that movie um anyone else yes i see someone in the chat connor thank you i to me it was so similar um that it was like i'm at the point where i feel like it was like a direct kind of parody but that movie already is kind of a a satire of a, a type of person um but yeah, it felt, like, really so, like, I, at a certain point, I was, like, distracted by how similar these characters were to those characters in that movie. If anyone hasn't seen it, um, it's a movie starring Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, who also co-wrote Bridesmaids together and have been long-term writing partners, and they were they were co-stars in this film, um, when often, like, you know, Kristen is more front-facing than Annie, and, you know, like, Annie had a small role in Bridesmaids, but whatever, long, long story short, like, they co wrote and starred in this movie, Barbara Starr, Go to VC Del Mar, and the characters are, um, I mean, it, it was. I was like shook at, at the whatever, but it, it was fun. It was fun. I feel like the song, as you, I agree with you, John, the, the song and the singing, that was the best part. Um, it was great. I'm gonna actually like, go back and listen to that song. That's kind of my take, okay? Um, yeah, that, that was over, overpowering my um, analytical skills throughout the the sketch
0: yeah see I couldn't get family. on board with the sketch because Jamie Dornan did show up maybe if he had showed up then it would have been <laughs> a different story but if he's not gonna show up and sing then it shows up, yeah some sketch for me yeah Very so nice. it was
1: a- big billy ocean fan i saw bill in the chat said he would like billy ocean a cameo i would have liked that as well i also like uh like get out of my dreams get into my car it's a very great billy ocean song but uh yeah my two cents on the sketch is just that uh heidi and ego i think obviously this is the beginning of a pairing i think we're gonna see a lot together over the years so um over season 48 so for me uh this is sort of like a preview into what this could potentially look like haskell how do you feel about caribbean queens
2: Remember earlier in this show, I said, we have a tendency as fans to say, like, I've seen this premise before, so I'm checking out. Like I was sort of there. I just didn't get hooked in because I just felt like I've seen this 10 to one sketch with 15 different, uh, groupings before in the last handful of years. Yeah. I Ego and Heidi give me some sort of recurring sketch with these two that they can be a pair. It's just not going to be this.
1: That is fair. Okay, this one was written by Allison Gates, Ken Sublett, and then one of our new writers tonight, which was Jimmy Fowley. Okay. Uh, We had three cut sketches tonight. So they were, and I'll try to do my best to explain as far as I understand, was uh, Blood Oath was one of the sketches. And this was a live sketch, and it was all about Andrew Dismukes uh, doing a blood oath and cutting his hand open. That was a, a Streeter Seidel and O'Kane sketch. Uh, there was a sketch where Sarah was playing Elvis, so this was a Sarah Sherman showcase where she was making uh, some Jewish jokes that we got to see some of that last year on Season 47, running around mm. acting as Elvis. Uh, they kept doing giving her things to do, like playing the piano and gambling and then dying on the toilet, so uh, this is was a <laughs> (laughs) Sarah Sherman uh, piece that was uh, Dan Bula and O'Sullivan. One of the new writers uh, was the uh, writer for this one. And I assume Sarah had a lot to do with that as well. So uh, Sierra O'Sullivan was the writer on that one. And then we had a third piece known as couple without kids. And that was also a live sketch. So so three live sketches were cut tonight. And that was uh, a Sarah also talking about not having kids um, as well. So That, uh, yeah, we'll find out more about those sketches throughout the week. Hopefully some of them will end up online, but those were our three cuts. So no cut pre-tapes, just three cut live sketches. Also very excited about the four new writers that we got on the show tonight. So we saw Jimmy Fowley, Sierra O'Sullivan, Casey Shornema, and August White. I believe Casey is going to be on Weekend Update and the other three are the new writers for the show. All right, this is how we end our hot take shows every single week. We give a rating out of 10. Chat, I would love to get your ratings as well, and we will put them up on screen. So, Haskell, starting with you, how would you rate our premiere of season 48 out of 10?
2: Uh, I'm going to give it an 8 based mainly on a really strong start, and it just kind of holds it for a kind of a weaker ending. Nicole.
3: Wow. Uh, I was going to go, I feel like I liked it more than you liked it, but I'm going to go 7.8. And that's a high 7.8. I feel really good about it.
1: Kalina.
0: Yeah, I was going to say 7.7, kind of for the same reasons. Like it started really strong and then kind of teetered off at the end a little bit, um, but I'm not, not an opener that I'm mad with for sure.
1: Yeah. I think for me, I'm at about a 7.5. Five, and that's probably with a little bit of a boost for being the premiere and giving, like, putting it on a scale. I mean, look, I really did enjoy this episode. So I'm not trying to take away anything from it. I just think that there's more to be gained here. But, like, the beginning of this episode, if I was just going to rate the episode from the first part of it, I think the first like 15, 20 minutes of of this episode was easily a nine out of 10 for me as far as like what we can get from Mm -hmm. SNL. I just think it tapered off later on. It was probably more of like a midway show, maybe a five out of 10 for the second half of the episode. So for me, I probably go somewhere with like a 7.5, which is, I think, a pretty good score for the premiere, probably one of the highest premiere scores. I don't remember what I gave the premiere last year, if anybody wants to go back and check that. But uh, I think this is definitely higher than the Owen Wilson premiere that we got. Okay, that is our premiere for season 48. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation where we broke down every sketch immediately after. And if you were looking for more coverage of this episode, well, we have it for you on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. I will be back with an amazing panel of guests to talk through everything in our round table, where we'll dive deep into the sketches that we really want to talk about, parse them out, go through all the details. And then we will also go over some of your feedback where we're going to put up some polls on social media. If you want to answer those polls, they'll be up earlier in the day on Monday, and we will give the results of those uh, to get your feedback on the episodes on Monday night. On Wednesday night, Nicole Rovine will be live with Mike Murray for the By the Number Show, the first edition of our weekly By the Number Show, where they will give you an update to the power rankings and talk through all the numbers from this particular episode. We'll also update the standings from the draft for our first week, so um, I know that Sammy's very happy about his friend uh, Mikey Longs, so doing pretty well on the show uh, Mm -hmm. tonight, so that will be on Wednesday and then thursday join us for our first patron feedback show where we will answer questions from the community and then look forward to the next week with brendan gleason so if you want to get your questions in for that that uh forum will be up on uh, social media the day before you can get your questions in in our instagram stories or on twitter and four episodes a week covering every single episode all season long haskell thanks for joining us where can the listeners reach out to you and check out everything you got going on
2: yeah, Andrew E. Haskell on Twitter and Instagram. Go on Twitter tonight. Check out my McDonald's sketches. Tell me if you think they're better than what uh, SNL did. I don't know. I'm excited to hear from you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's see if, uh, if Haskell's going to go to doo college or not. Uh, <laughs> Nicole, thanks for joining us. As always, where can the listeners check what you got going on?
3: Yeah, I'm happy I was able to be here after my little health scare in the emergency room today. It was truly I've never felt better and ever felt better because I think I'm going to start going and getting IV drips and vitamins because it was great today. Um, but you can, anyways, <laughs> thank you for having me. This was very fun. And you can find me anywhere at Nicole Robine and at the SNL network. We're doing so much fun stuff and definitely stay tuned for our weekly by the numbers. show. it's a new thing that we're going to do weekly. So also let us know what types of segments you want to see um, we're really excited. We have a lot of plans and we're going to try to make it really, you know, just fun and immersive and engaging to talk about these numbers and make like we're. I feel like we take fun and we put numbers into fun here. And we also want to put fun into numbers. Um, so come to the shows, you know, and 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 do the fun and the numbers at the same time. Um, right along with numbers. that. So we're very excited about it.
1: Kalina, thanks for joining us as well tonight. <laughs> Wonderful to get to hear from you on the first hot take show of the season. Where can the listeners check out everything you got going on?
0: Yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me on the first show. I was so excited. Um, it's it's I don't I've never done a, a first show before, <laughs> so this was really fun. Y'all can find me down below at Shut Up Kalina across social media.
1: Perfect. So uh, yeah, you could definitely check out all our social handles at the SNL network, still the SNL network on our handles, but you may notice we are at the Saturday Night Network now, which is very exciting. we got all new branding and I hope you like it in the podcast feed as well. So uh, if you can also subscribe to the podcast feed, maybe you only check us out on YouTube and you don't uh, think you have a reason to listen on audio, but it's really cool. I mean, the shows we put together, we do a really good job editing the shows for the audio feed and have some wonderful people who help us with that. So if you're in the car, you're on a walk and you want to listen to our shows, you can do that as well. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Really appreciate those subscriptions and uh, definitely find us wherever we are. So I just want to thank everyone in the chat for staying up late with us and joining us each and every Saturday night for the Hot Take Shows. Thank you to Andrew, Kalina, and Nicole. We will see you on Monday night, everybody. Have a good one.